Welcome into the fourth episode of the fourth season of the Sabermetrics Podcast. My name is Bill. Alongside me, as always, is Walt. Walt, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good. Good to finally be back on the podcast. Yeah, a little housekeeping. Um, first note that I didn't mention that we are hosted by the Charging Buffalo. Walt and I are still part of the Charging Buffalo, but we just, as like a group, decided to just kind of stick away from all these different podcasts being associated. So straight up Sabres, our boys, Brendan and Taylor are like the podcast for the charging Buffalo. As of right now, there might be changes and like coming back to that. But as of right now, we're quote unquote independent. It's not really, it doesn't, doesn't change anything really. Um, You know, we're just kind of doing it for the sake of, you know, being a little bit more independent, being a little bit more. it's not like we were even getting held back with anything, but we might change some stuff up. Um, just the affiliation with this specific podcast, not us in general, um, is no longer with the Charging Buffalo. Again, doesn't change anything. As to where we were, uh, it's all Walt's fault. No, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it was mostly me. Um, I missed a, like more games than I was expecting at the beginning of the season. Um, and then when we finally felt good, I think we scheduled a date. Sabres lost then the Bills, and then the Sabres lost again. And we we're like, no, not right now. But we're, I think we're at a point where like, we just have to address this. We have to get on the mic and just and kind of talk. And that's kind of where I am. Um, I really want to get your opinions on damn near everything. And I think the best way we've done it before, we'll do it again. I think we just talk about every single player that's on this roster right now and just kind of give an update of where we think. And a little spawn discussion from there. Um that's for housekeeping. I think that's about it. You know, no technical affiliation with the Charging Buffalo with this podcast. We might start running some ads or something like that just to kind of test some stuff out just, you know, for the sake of things. If the audio is a little off, please excuse me. It's been a little bit. I think that's about it. So let's get into the meat of it. We're here again. Well, we are here again. It has been disappointing to say the least where you'll get the high hopes of beating a team like Carolina, Boston, the Rangers. We are recording this before the Vegas game on Friday. Who knows? They might beat Vegas 5 5 nothing. Show up in Arizona and get beat 5 nothing themselves. That's just kind of been the way this has been going as an overall team based, you know, no individuals. What have you seen that is concerning to say the least and then what if is there any kind of hope or anything that you you see in the past maybe handful of games that could turn this ship around i mean i think they have been playing better in some of the past few games i mean obviously not the last game against colorado that was kind of a disaster in the first period but i think there were a few games where they started to play a little bit better i mean they obviously got two wins in the past few games but at the same time, I mean, there's only so much season left, and they're already more than a third of the way through that 
dropping this many points in a very competitive uh, Eastern Conference playoff race, it's it's not devastating at this point. But I mean, we're talking about a team that has to go on like a hundred ten point pace just to finish the season with like ninety five points at this point. Yeah, so it it's definitely tricky evaluating the Sabres team because there has been some good, but I think just the base level of play just really hasn't been at that level necessary to qualify for the playoffs. Like you can't dip down below 500 like they have. You can't go on losing streaks. You have to rattle off some winning streaks eventually. I think that's just been the story of the team this year. I mean, just in terms of where they are in the standings, it's it's just been killer so far at this point. Like the season's not over in terms of playoff hopes, but it's definitely like – it's a tough. long shot at this point. Yeah, I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, I was saying this team's cooked. You could just did, did yeah. with their play. Did you expect any kind? The only kind of win streak I would expect them to go on is very much like that ten game win streak that they went on, where it had like the Jeff Skinner goal against the Sharks and everyone lost their minds, where they were winning games, but really the the stats didn't show that that was supposed to be the case. They were getting a little lucky. That's the only kind of win streak that I expect this team to go on right now. It's bad. It's bad. It, I don't have much confidence, and I've we've said it before, and I'll say it again. You cannot make the playoffs at the beginning of the season, but you can damn sure piss it away, and that's exactly what they're doing. I, I mean, like you said, a 110-point pace. I mean, classic Sabres, they'll turn it on right when there's no hope. I mean, look what, what happened last season. They were out of it. Oh, wait, no, maybe they're back into it, and then they have a bad stretch. Oh, crap, they're out of it again. And it turns out they missed it by a point. I'm sorry, but it's just that I don't think that's happening this season. I mean, they are the last we checked and it's still the case. I mean, the only other team in their division that they were ahead of was Ottawa is because Ottawa went to Europe and they had like seven less games played. I mean, the only other team in the Eastern Conference that you can think is worse than the Sabres is Columbus. And that's about it. It, it, This is bad. Like, this is really, really bad. And this, at least for me, I can speak for myself. I was, look, last year, it's like, if they make the playoffs, that's great. This was the year. This was the year. And they are royally screwing it up. It is, it's unfortunate. Because it was Granado saying, we need to have a little bit more defense and we can't sacrifice the offense. And that is exactly what happened. Whether or not that is on Granado, we will get into but that they said this was, you know, our goal to not happen. And it, this is exactly what's happening. And I've also said, if you go back through episodes, the easy part for Kevin Adams was breaking up the team and getting, it wasn't easy, especially with the Eichel trade, getting pieces back, breaking down a team is not as difficult as it is to bring it up. And they decided to roll back the same squad. And there's been some regression on pretty much everyone, which I guess is unexpected. But, I mean, when your bright spots are an 18-year-old that was drafted outside the top 10, which we can argue, I don't know why teams did that, but Henry Okiharu is having a bounce-back season, and people are rightfully pointing that out. But, I mean, that's if that's a focal point of the positivity with this team, UPL, who his finally shown that he can maybe be a number one goalie and then unfortunately catches a nasty whatever kind of sickness this is this is freaking bad man 
This is a problem, and it starts with the centers. It starts with Granado. It starts with Kevin Adams not being, you know, aggressive enough. But I'm sorry. I think we can start it here. I'm not ready to move on from Granado and Adams. This is, again, this is the three, four-year cycle they keep going through. And Granado might have been the, the right coach at the time and might be showing signs of not being the right one now, but you have to give him more time. You can't cut bait immediately. What is your thought on what do they what do they do now? So we, we established where they are. It ain't good. Where do they go from now? I think that's really the interesting thing for me. Just looking at this past offseason, I think really the common line of thought was that this is a Sabres team that needs to add pieces in order to take the next step. With the way the top guys have been playing this year, I'm starting to slowly think that this is a team that needs to replace some pieces as well as add some pieces to finish out this group. Like I'm just really not sure. And that's probably the most challenging part about this season for me is really just the fact that we thought our top guys were top guys. They took that next step and they're ready with some younger reinforcements to come in to be a playoff team. But they came out this season, they're playing like, sub Montreal Canadiens level hockey seriously and yeah Tage Thompson's been healthy most of the year Rasmus Dahlin's been around the whole year it's like Jeff Skinner's been around the whole year I mean sure they've had some injuries mixed in but like I really haven't been that impressed with the top guys I think Tage Thompson's not even on pace for he's on pace for like 58 points or something so far this season like you just really expect more from your top guys and at this point I think even if Adams makes like true decisions to round out the bottom of the lineup you're still looking at a team who's ceiling definitely isn't stanley cup hockey and at this point i'm really kind of almost wondering if i should be looking more forward to the core that consists of like owen power jack quinn zach benson paterka yeah paterka kulik just the guys coming up versus the current core of guys like tuck skinner and tage it's just The team's kind of at a crossroads right now, and it's definitely not envious of anyone who's employed by the Sabres whose job relies on them winning over the next few seasons. I mean, and the collar is only going to get tighter and tighter because you guys still haven't made the playoffs. This streak is still going, and it looks like it's going to happen again. I mean, we have no idea what they're going to do for the rest of the season and in the offseason. But until you make the playoffs, I'm sorry, you're just not you're not a playoff team. Until you actually do it, you have to prove it to us now. I mean, they kind of made their bed too. Let's start looking at some of these contracts. And I hate to say it, Matthias Samuelson. That contract is brutal right now. And last yeah. year, <laughs> it looked awesome. You have Dylan Cousins. We thought that was a great contract. Right now, snake bitten or not, brutal. I specifically remember, and it's weeks ago at this point, but he was at the end of a shift. At the it was four on four, because the Sabers had a power play they didn't score on in overtime. He's taking wrist wrist shots from like the point, essentially missing the net and giving them a free outlet, and they go down and score. After after a after a game, he just couldn't bury. I. I the the issues aren't just on the coaching staff because the coaching staff deals with whom they are given. You have to point it at Adams and saying, like, look, you tried to run it back. 
it didn't work. Did we expect regression from all of these players? Nah. But it happened. And look, they brought in Eric Robinson. That's good. Vinny Henestrosa just went on waivers. Who knows? Maybe by the time you're you're hearing this, he's either picked up by someone else or or has already passed through waivers. That's not going to move the needle enough, man. You might get the new spark from an Eric Robinson for a couple games. You might get a spark from a new coach for a couple games. I think this is a personnel issue. I really do. Hey, look, Granado might not be the answer. He might not be. He might be a development coach, and then you need someone to pick it up from there. But I I personally believe this goes higher than Granado. We can definitely talk about the power play and how that is completely failing them. A stagnant power play that looks easy to defend. I was a power play killer when I was playing in my very amateur levels when I was, you know, could barely skate. Again, not good at hockey, but... It was my favorite when you go out on the power or the penalty kill and the power play unit on the other team thought, oh, we have one more guy. We don't have to work. Just stand around. Maybe one guy will make a move and I'll, I'll be here to tap it in or something like power play isn't working. Penalty kill. I mean, Jordan Greenway isn't back to. Be, OK, I will be completely honest with the avalanche game. I fell asleep after the anthem. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually glad I missed that game. It was a long day. Um, but the. I mean, where do we start assessing blame? We will go through the roster here in a second, but let's start looking big picture as like, okay, here's where we're at. What do we do in the future? Okay, now who do we blame? Like something needs to happen. Last year I was okay with, with nothing happening. This year, again, this was the year. I gave you a free effing pass last year. And am I mad at myself for doing that? Sure, whatever, but like, I thought it was pretty reasonable to be like, yeah, maybe this year just isn't it. They're maybe a little bit too young. This is it. Sorry, your core is how many years has Darlene been in the league? I, you know, Thompson already. Yeah, Thompson. I think it might be more than that. We'll have to look it up. Thompson's been in the league for a while. Tuck's been in the league for a while. Skinner is what thirty-one. Still hasn't made the playoffs. But you go in there with two rookie goaltenders. You're carrying three. It looks like Comrie's not your answer. You send down Levi. I hope he's right back up. It's not dysfunction, but it looks uncoordinated to, to steal something that the Bills people have been saying about the Bills offense at times. It looks uncoordinated. And and anything that they do from now on is looking it's going to look like scramble mode. So where do we start assessing blame? Well, where where would you point the finger first? Because there's plenty to go around. This goes on the players for not showing up. Look, you I know it's on coaching to get your players ready for the game, but they don't strap up the skates. If your players are going to go out there and get outshot 15 to zip, the hell is Granado supposed to do about that? Like, you start benching guys, scream, yell. What, what are you supposed to do? Again, and Granado is to blame. I'm not trying to lay it off him but where do you start pointing the finger Walt? I, I think for me it definitely goes to personnel first I think I think most of the top guys on this team have just been disappointing so far this year I think you could also maybe look at the GM too like in terms of contracts like just going down the Sabres roster in terms of like guys they could actually 
trade like Darlene, just sign a long-term deal. You can't really trade guys who just sign long-term deals in your city because that's pretty much career suicide if you're an NHL GM to trade a guy that commits eight years of his career to your team and then you move into a different city. So that takes out Darlene, that takes out Power, that takes out Samuelson. Thompson, Look Cousins. At the forwards. Yep. yep, Thompson, Cousins. That Skinner contract, you just can't move at all. There's no other moving talk. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate him like, as much as some people. Let's just say that I don't hate him as much as some people. But yeah, Jeff Skinner's a liability. He'll be. Yeah, he will I, be the first, the closest to the puck, and the third man to it. Maybe that's his role to be that high guy in the zone because he just can't skate anymore. But and, and look, he's scoring goals. But man, everywhere else in this game is brutal. I'm sorry to interrupt, but. No, yeah, I mean that's yeah, that kind of comes down to the personnel too. Is it you're really relying on top guys who don't really come with like complete games. Like Skinner is really good at what he does, which mm-hmm. is just generate five on five offense. But there's so many deficiencies in his game where if you're relying on him to be a twenty minute a night forward on a team that you think could maybe contend for a Stanley Cup, I mean you're just fooling yourself at that point. I yeah. mean Skinner's a great player at what he does, but mm-hmm. he should be kind of like a secondary scoring option, not like a primary all situations forward. And I think we kind of started to see that in terms of how the Sabres have been uh, deploying their lineup. I mean, Benson moving up on that top line, like I think Zach Benson, he's still only 18 years old, but he's kind of an example of the players that top teams build around. He may be a smaller forward, but he does literally everything. He has high and offensive skill in this game. I mean, we all saw his first career NHL goal, and really not a lot of NHLers can pull that off. That was and like silly. Yeah, it's just insane. That like, like okay, you know what? Let's talk about him for a little bit, just because it's been pretty negative so far. Which yeah, <laughs> it's just a bummer. I wish we were talking about like this team's awesome, and like let's start like even mapping out like hey, who could they play in the first round. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just play some meaningful games in January, boys. Um, so Zach Benson, um, I just at some point I was like, he's got to fall off. He just hasn't. What he does, he makes those small little chips, small little passes, small little chips, and he does it almost in the, like a soccer way where he's he's letting the guy skate into it, like gets right over the blue line. A guy comes to him to to pressure him, and he just makes the right little chip by him. Guy streaking by comes and picks up the puck. He's good on the forecheck. He knows how to manipulate guys and make them think, oh, I need to go around or, you know, go up the wall. And then he cuts that off. I think we've seen things like that. Um, I think, did you even do a breakdown? Was that, I might be, I might be ripping off your work. Uh, No, yeah, I did do one the first, the first week of the year because he's like the only positive light in my eyes. only bright spot, but yeah, (laughs) he is someone that you can definitely build around, like you said. My question is, and like this is purely speculative and it doesn't really matter. What do you think Matt Savoy thinks of this? Like it's different. Matt Savoy's been injured a lot and, you know, different players, different games, but same team, drafted high by the Sabres, Benson's younger, Savoy got sent back. Like what do you think? What, like what do you think he's thinking, not knowing him at all? And all we can see is in the media. Like he's got to be like, damn. Like, it's got to be kind of a wake-up call, which, to be fair, maybe there's some more players in the Sabres organization that deserve a wake-up call. Like, maybe they're a little bit too comfortable. Yeah, I think for a guy like Savoy, I mean, he obviously has experience with 
uh, playing with Benson in Winnipeg and now Wenatchee, which I guess they spent this past preseason together there. I think he's definitely used to like what Benson's capable of. I mean, Savoy last season, uh, yeah, he returned to the NHL after being the eighth overall pick. He got outscored by some guy that was 17 the entire season named Zach Benson. He outscored like the eighth overall pick in the previous draft. So I think he's probably pretty used to it. And I think it's really just the big picture between the two. Like right now, like Benson really just plays that complete game where even if he's not producing on offense you could toss him on the third line give him limited minutes and he'll he'll four check hard he could penalty kill i don't think savoy's there yet i think savoy has the effort in his game he has the speed and skill obviously but in terms of that well-refined hockey mind i think he still has a bit of a ways to go on that i'm not saying he won't be a contributor to the nhl anytime soon but in terms of keeping a teenager up at the nhl level the series have been pretty strict with who they've allowed to stay up. So I think they're really kind of looking for that complete player. And I think Zach Benson's just one of those rare cases of an 18-year-old. I mean, maybe really the only case of an 18-year-old being that complete of a forward that got picked outside the top 10. Maybe Ryan O'Reilly. I was going to say Ryan here. O'Reilly, yeah. yeah. Because, and it's a, it's a hockey sense and a defensive responsibility that you showed from a young age that keeps you around. And look, like Matt Savoy's high-powered offense, speed, skill, you just don't have the defensive. You're the best player on every single team you've ever played on, except, you know, maybe Zach Benson did a little bit better than you, but you know what I mean? Like, that's that's significant too. So, I mean, it is very nice to see, but it's also like this guy's 18. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> like half the time I'm watching, he's the most noticeable guy out there because he's the one doing stuff. I mean, it was nice to see Jordan Greenway get off to a good start, and then unfortunately he injured something. Uh, I forget, but he like you know he went down with injury, and that was like disappointing. But I mean, do you think some of these guys are a little bit too comfortable? They sign these long term contracts, and they're like, look, like, and it's I it's not from a lack of effort. I don't think we've ever questioned. I don't think we've ever questioned effort. We've questioned endurance to put forth that effort uh, with. You know, certain players that are playing better. <laughs> um, but, you know, Casey Middlestat, if you're wondering who we were referring to, but um, who is playing, you know, better than he was, but still kind of regressed from, you know, the second half that he was at. It's just, I, I don't want to be like, oh, you got your money, now you're checked out kind of person. But it's like, hey, guys, you're here for a while. This is starting poorly. The team, you know, it's something that I actually don't hear much anymore. We need to earn our fans' trust back. Missing the playoffs by a single point, you think that that brought them back? No. Yeah. You crapped the bet. I'm surprised people still show up. Because I plan on going to some, some games this season. Again, the beginning of my season was, you know, pretty busy, and the back half was going to pick up and... I was, you know, actually worried about like, hey man, if they're good, like you might not be able to get as many tickets as you were hoping to in the in the back half of the season. I'm not going to any of those goddamn games. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? They play like, mm, I almost I almost really went off, but they they play terribly in front of those fans, and I feel bad for them, yeah. especially season ticket holders. Did you see, you know, did you see what they sent on to season ticket holders? I, I heard it was not great. It was not great. It was like a it was like a puzzle with the biggest made in China sticker on it. 
<laughs> it was like and just like some other like small little like keychain stuff and like it's just all the goodwill that they had built up they just they they tied a huge anchor around it and shoved it into the into the freaking into the sea lake erie i know it's not a sea but yeah you know what i mean like it's it's all over all the good things that you did last season to, to build us up for this season you shot it out of the sky it's incredibly disheartening. I feel bad for these fans, man, because like, I don't at this point I don't blame them for freaking out. Because this was supposed to be the year. It's been what 11, 12 seasons. I mean, regression. The defense is maybe better. I don't know if you have any stats to back that up. And the offense is worse. If you're going to lose games, make them exciting. No, we're just gonna crap the bed. 5-1 against Colorado. Yeah, but we outshot them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, How'd you start the game? It was 15-0 in shots. It was 3-0 in score. What are we doing here? So, I did say we were going to do this. We're going to go through every single player. Most most of the reason I texted Walt earlier to say, hey, we're, we're ripping a pod was for me to just come on and complain. But I called it. <laughs> They're cooked. They are cooked. If they make the playoffs... I will, I will wear that. They're not going to. You lost a season already. Again, if I'm wrong, cold take me. Played in the locker room. Let those let all the players saying these guys didn't believe in us. I don't believe in you. I don't. Make me believe in you. Until you secure a playoff spot. And the season's over. And we know the dates for that first round. You are not a playoff team. I don't care what kind of pace you're on, whether it's this year, next year, whatever. I'm, is it? I'm very close to being just done with this team, and a lot of other people are probably feeling the same way. And it's really sad because Buffalo's such yeah. a great fan base. I mean, here we go. You live in Boston now. After the 14th time that we thought the Boston was going to suck, they decided to. Be one of the best teams in the East. What is it like in that town uh, in comparison to this town? That's a town that knows how to win, not only with hockey, but in other sports now. Patriots stink. But it's also 20, 25 years of success. Yeah, I mean, you kind of, after moving to Boston, you really kind of see how almost spoiled their sports fans are here. Like just thinking about like how the Bruins start off this regular season. Like if the Sabres start off a season like that, there'd be like Sabres flags flying in everyone's house. The roads would be empty when the games start. I think you'd really just see like absolute craziness in the city of Buffalo. And I think that kind of shows like how much we've been suffering as a fan base. Like even that 10 game win streak, I believe it was back in 2018. I remember that shot from when Sam Reinhart scored that shootout winner against Detroit. It was the same night as the world's largest disco, and they had the <laughs> Sabres game on a huge screen there. Yeah. And the whole place was just going crazy when Reinhart scored that goal. Yeah. And that was just in like a mini 10-game winning streak yeah. in November of an NHL season. And so the fun. place was going crazy. Yeah. And I remember like even the fans back then, like everyone's like getting watch parties to watch the Sabres. Yeah, man. It's like that's that tiny taste of winning. Like the city was going crazy. And I think that's kind of the sad part about Buffalo is this is fans are so hungry for a winner. And 
it looks it the Sabres just make it seem so difficult. They make it just to so build an average NHL team. They make it is clawing and fighting and giving it your all to be mediocre. Like yeah, what are we doing <laughs> at this point? People that make fun of Buffalo, they almost have a point. You're proving people's point again. I'm just so over it, man. Again, they have games against Vegas tonight, and they have one against Arizona tomorrow. But where do you have any confidence in this team? I do not. And some, and if anyone listening right now does, shout out to you, because you're more optimistic than I am. Because I've been calling them cooked for like a month. I mean, what do you? Do yeah. You have, where's the optimism to come from this? And then we will actually go through all the players. We're gonna go by registered weight. Of each player, we're going to go with the lightest <laughs> to the heaviest just because that's what I feel like doing. But if you had any kind of hope for this team, what would it be? Any kind of optimism for fans out there before we start ripping players apart? I guess my optimism probably lies in the younger players. I think we're really going to start seeing those guys kind of get more on people's radar after the, the World Juniors kicks off in about two weeks. I think that's really... Okay where all my optimism lies just because I think they built a prospect pool of just complete, well-rounded, great hockey players, which is kind of why I'm hesitant in moving to try to win now with this core. And I know I take a lot of heat for this all the time, but I just don't think this core has it. I wouldn't invest a single dollar in a team led by Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, and Jeff Skinner to win a single playoff series. Like, I think those guys are great players in their own right, but in terms of them being your top guys, yeah. like just take a quick glance around the league. Yeah. <laughs> Look at like Colorado. Right? Their top guys are Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen at forward, and we're trying to compare Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner to those yeah. guys. Like Those are last teams year, you have to beat to win a cup. Last year, we were all banging the drum, and rightfully so, that we have top ten, easily top 10, one-two, one-two punch. Unfavorable contracts. Looking at what Tage did and what Cousins did, that's it's it went. It's like the Hindenburg, down in flames. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely brutal. I, I don't really know where else to. I again, you're on optimism duty because it's not coming from me. They have they've officially broken me, and <laughs> we're what thirty minutes back into our our latest episode since we haven't yeah. last episode was thanking RJ after after RJ passed which ah I miss him I miss him yeah love Dan Dunleavy don't get me wrong shout out to Rob Ray for taking one off the uh off the forehead there looking like Harry Potter um but yeah I mean I I miss RJ so let's get into the players we're going by weight okay I'm not going to list every player's weight but just know that we're going in order by <laughs> registered weight because why not? Isaac Rosean. Rosean? I seek. I, I seek Rosean. Whatever. Um, I think he's fine. I, I just I think he just needs more time in Rochester, though. Like, it was good that he got some games or whatever, but he got sevens, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be a useful piece eventually. I mean, he's been great in Rochester this year. Mm-hmm. I just, and he's shown some pretty good flashes at the NHL level when yeah. he was up here. I still think he's, like, a year or two away from being like a key contributor. I think his size maybe plays a bit of a role in that. He's still kind of a lanky he's a lightest type dude, of yeah. forward. 
So yeah, I think once he fills out, I, I think they have an effective NHLer there. I maybe the the high end upside's a bit limited, but I think he's a guy who could fill out your middle six in a few years. Okay, uh, Zach Benson. We already kind of went over him, but I mean, he's been very impressive. He has twenty. 20 games played, three goals, five assists, eight points. I'm not really looking at points for him. Um, I've been impressed. And, I mean, take it for what it is. That's like a good thing for him, and I'm impressed or whatever. But I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's 18 years old, and he's like a top five player on this team right now. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to say it. Screw it. Top five player on this team. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. Shout out to Zach Benson. Awesome dude. You know, interesting backstory. Sweet, you know, suit at the uh, at the draft. Super happy to have him. That's a freaking problem. Okay, okay, people. Can we maybe you know not have an eighteen year old be one of our best players on the team? That's oh my god. That just that that irks me big time. Um, anything else on Benson that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Zach Benson fan. If anyone watched like the draft show over the summer, we we're live streaming with. Uh, with Eddie, Chad, and uh, Austin, when they made that Zach Benson pick, I was going wild yeah. after that. Like he's he's always been a favorite player of mine, and it's not really just the skill. He just literally brings everything to the table. He may not have the size, but he's such a complete hockey player, and I know I'm always biased when talking about him, but just an extremely talented hockey player, and he's one of my main reasons why I have some optimism for the future of this organization. He isn't the fastest player either, but it's almost like the Sam Reinhardt thing. And people, yeah. luckily, frankly, let's be honest, I'm kind of glad that we had Sam Reinhardt. We had Sam Reinhardt, excuse me, woof. Um, because people now realize, like, look, it's not all about speed, especially with like a smaller player, or, like a, you know, someone that can get knocked off the puck. Like, especially with him, the more experience he gets, the better it's going to be. He might not be a burner, and especially when you have a smaller player, you kind of want them to be really quick and shifty. At least that's how I used to perceive hockey, like a Tyler Ennis. But yeah, now he makes it work, man. And it's Frank. I just didn't think it was going to work this well. He still makes his mistakes plenty, but I thought he was really going to look out of place, especially twenty games in, like really starting to look like, oh, here we go. He's starting to hit that wall, which I wouldn't have blamed him for at all. But he's not, and it's kind of cool i mean that is a bright spot of this team so moving on uh brendan byro eh, tweener he's got two goals in five yeah. games i mean good for good for him he deserved to play some nhl games um but yeah, he's a, he's like a tweener he's like a uh, brett murray to me yeah he's kind of like he's like an alberta r2 roots line and i think he's <laughs> a guy who He's great to have in the HL level and great yeah. to be able to call up in a pinch. He's a great guy to go in between the two organizations. But in terms of like early after the preseason, people are saying, "Oh, we can't lose this guy on waivers." Like you're you're not going to lose him yeah. on waivers. <laughs> Ryan Johnson, he is a top four defenseman on this team, and the fact that we haven't even talked about EJ and uh, Clifton yet, um, the fact that Ryan Johnson keeps getting sat is bullcrap. I'm really trying not to curse. Yeah, I already did it a little bit earlier, but it is <laughs> it is garbage. That is where I will blame Granado. If you want to give him a game here and there, maybe he has a tough game here and like stuff. But like, I just you're going to tell me Ryan Johnson is not better than the way Connor Clifton's been playing, Eric Johnson's been playing. Look, you're not going to set him against Colorado. I get it. He should not be playing night in and night out. 
I am so sick and tired of the only thing some of these guys bring is their veteran leadership. And this team looks like they are lacking leadership. Now, Kyle Poso is playing better, and we will come to him. He's, you know, putting pucks in nets. But he also looks cooked. And offering him a contract was probably not great. And if you're going to do it for the sake of leadership, we'll show some GD leadership and don't get pumped for 15 shots before you get one. It's just, that's a problem with me. If you're going to make those decisions and you're going to have those players in your lineup and they don't fulfill that, it's a problem. It's like sending out Ryan Reeves out there and now he's trying to dangle people. No. <laughs> what are we doing here? Ryan Johnson is a top four defenseman on this team, and he will be. For years to come, that is what I believe. I still can't believe we actually were able to sign him. I just I wrote him off just because he had the option to go to anywhere else. And right now, I guarantee he wishes he was somewhere else. It's yeah, I think it's unacceptable. Go ahead, Walt. Yeah, I just remember like every single podcast last season, we'd have like the Ryan Johnson watch, and I definitely thought he was someone that would sign in like Anaheim or LA. But I mean, it's great to have him on. I mean, I think his mobility is great. I think he may lack that like extra step to be that like elite offensive defenseman, but mm-hmm. he's that guy who you won't have to pay a lot of money to that's very mobile yeah. that could fill out your top four. And I almost kind of wish they gave that Samuelson contract to yeah. uh, Ryan Johnson, yeah. if we could yeah. somehow trade contracts between the two guys. Absolutely. The only thing that will make it better is if Johnson signs ones out that we would be okay with Samuelson having, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like the, like the Oslin Kulik thing, where you're like, if you just yeah. make out that Oslin was, you know, when they picked up Kulik and, and vice versa, you know, makes you feel better. But, yeah, I mean, he's – who do you like him with the most, Owen Power? I, I think he's really interested in Owen Power just because Owen Power, he puts a decent amount of reliance on his uh, D partner, and Power loves moving around in the offensive zone. Too. Yes, he, he loves does. switching sides, mm-hmm. and he loves like having a mobile defense partner. So I think him with Power, yeah. I think I it's, just, it's just a really fun combo, and it's like your traditional modern hockey combo. Like Hockey purists will hate it. The fans that like exciting hockey will love it. I mean, I'll take exciting hockey if you guys are going to keep freaking losing. Um, Lucas Rusek, yeah. your boy, Lucas Rusek. Um, he's only got five games in. It's been a minute since he's been with the Sabres. Is that someone you want to call up again? I mean, I didn't really see much when he was up here. Um, but again, that was earlier in the season, and I, I was forced to miss more games than I expected. So what, what do you think of him? I don't think he's really shown enough for me at the NHL level. I think he's kind of like the R2 Ritsu line in like Byro Rangers, a great AHL player might not have enough to be a consistent NHL player, but from where, from like how the Sabres acquired him as a overager six round pick, that was like a pretty obscure pick. Uh, I think just getting a few NHL games out of him is a success, but I don't really think he has a long-term future in the NHL. Agreed as of right now. I mean, there's certain aspects to his game that are interesting. Um, you know, he's a decent passer for sure, and he's kind of crafty when it comes to, you know, plays along the wall, at least that I've seen, unless I'm, you know, misremembering. But, yeah, I just don't see it, unfortunately. All right, quickly moving on then. Yuri Kulik, um, what I will say, 
this might be wrong. So definitely if you have the ability to clip the show, clip this right now. But if they do not call up Yuri Kulik with Jeff Skinner injured, I will give them until after the road trip when they come back. They're not a serious team. He's gotten one game. He played what? Like 10 minutes in it? Well, now you have a spot in the top six. Instead of having to shove him on the you know the bottom bottom six and being like, hopefully this guy can stack up defensively. I mean, there's no way he's worse than Skinner defensively. Put Kulik in Skinner's spot. Give it a freaking shot. Why not? You, Adams isn't going to, as of right now, he looks like he's not going to be making any kind of splash play for a top six forward. The most he's probably going to do is claim Vinny Henestrosa. They lost out on Patrick Kane. It's time for Kulik to get a shot. You have a guy in IR, which I don't. we don't know how long it's going to be. Maybe more than one game for Kulik, hmm? Yeah? Do we agree? Everyone in Saberland? Like, this is... Am I barking up the right tree thinking they are not a serious team if they don't call him up and give him a shot in the top six right now? This is an internal solution possible solution fair enough it might not work i think they have i think they have to what what are your thoughts on that i think they should definitely give him a look i'm not really sure if it will work out i still think he's a little bit of a raw prospect i mean he's obviously dominating the hl but in terms of nhl impact it might not be there but yeah i think it's definitely worth the shot i mean what else what else are are they trying to put in a spot yeah yeah like i it's not like I still think he's raw too, for sure. I will agree with you on that. And saying they're not a serious team is like, well, you're just going to disregard, you know, complete lack of defense or just, you know, knowledge or, or strength or, you know, whatever's going on there. But it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't like yeah, you, your I mean, season's gone. You have to try something. You have to try yeah, something. The season's already like just, it's just falling through their hands at this yeah. point. I mean, yeah. you got to try whatever you can to stay afloat and, and they, the worst case scenario has already happened. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. What, what worse is going to happen? Are you just going to keep losing? Oh, well, what a freaking shock. So <laughs> yeah. that's where I'm at. Jacob Bryson. Um, Forgot about him. Yeah. He, uh, he reminds me of De Niro and heat. Cause he's literally stealing money. <laughs> $1.8 million. I'm pretty sure is what he's making. I, I don't got, know. The guy's if, got the best job in Buffalo right now. Best job in Buffalo. He, look, he's always seemed like a good dude, and like it's not his fault that he like as a player. You take that contract. Same thing with the Pozo. You take that six million. You're like, of course, yeah. You want to get as much money as you can while you have the chance. Like this is their income. I I get it. But dude, he's played three games. He's not playing for the Sabres. It's over. So. I'm not even going to let you speak on it, Walt, because uh, there's no reason to. Matt Savoy got his one game he's gone to. <laughs> Victor Olofsson, uh, 24 games, 4 goals, 7 assists, 11 points. Uh, one, that is not enough. And two, it's not enough, and he's still playing better than like half the freaking team. Again, when we talk about Benson and UPL and Olofsson, I'm trying to look down here, who's the other one, and Yoki Haru. They might not be playing as good as I make them out to be, but it's the it's the expectation level. They were it was very low, incredibly low, and I have nothing wrong with the people that it, that it, you know Olafson and and Yoki Haru are. It seems like they're good dudes, and everyone in that locker room seems to like them. Yoki Haru always looks angry, but that's another thing. It's but I just I thought I was like, hey man, like this 
bringing him back is a mistake. Like you have to try to maybe try to find an asset out there to to get back with him. But I mean, he's been a quote unquote bright spot. I mean, what are your thoughts on Olsen this year? I think he's been he's made some improvements defensively. He's really kind of improved just making proper reads, just sticking with the play rather than skating past it and turning the puck over. And he's still got that great shot, even though he doesn't have as many goals as last year. He had that beautiful goal against Boston a few games ago on the rush. He still does Mm -hmm. stuff like that. He's just he's just a guy that's in like a bunch of NHL lineups. He's really not someone that people pay too much attention to if he was on any other team. I think just the fact that he's on the Sabres team, that he's like the scapegoat for all of their problems. Like when the top guys don't show up, it's like, oh, well, Olsen's still playing. It's like most NHL teams, like this guy just plays 82 games on a lineup, and most fans don't even make a comment about the guy. But I think it's kind of under a microscope in Buffalo because people are always looking for a scapegoat to why their team's so bad. Yeah, absolutely. And I... At this point, I don't freaking blame them. Uh, they uh, the little update uh, again. People were probably listening to this probably after the Vegas game, but they did pull in Johnson for Johnson. <laughs> so Ryan Johnson's going in for Eric Johnson. I couldn't help myself. Um, so that might go poorly. And any kind of take that I have now um, that gets disproven by the next game or two, um, I didn't mean it. Um, I am always correct, so don't. Um, they don't look too much into that. I guess is all I got. Basically, I'm just trying to self-handicap myself here because uh, who knows? Next thing you know, they're winning like 7 nothing and 5 nothing these next two games. And we're like, oh, crap, this team might actually have it. Um, kind of like we did last year. Oh, they have it. No, they don't. Oh, they do. So, yeah, Olsen yeah, is you, – you feel bad for the guy. Um, Comrie, I'm going to give you – actually, we're going to go to the two goalies because they're next in line. Comrie and Levi. We'll go with you, Walt. I think coming back from injury, uh, I think Comrie's been like legitimately awful. Yeah. Like I don't really think he gets many excuses. The series playing bad in front of him. He's been awful after that injury, and he's not an NHL goalie with the way he's playing right now. No. Devin Levi is I really don't think he's too different than what he was last year. I mean, he had those two games where he really struggled, which got him sent down into the AHL. He went full Levi Northeastern mode his first AHL game. He comes back to the NHL, he gives us three performances that weren't too far off from what we saw from him at the end of last season. I think he's, he's most likely going to be the Sabres number one guy going forward, or at least in the very near future. He's just a great prospect. He's kind of another piece where it's like, this is one of the guys that gives me hope for the future, just because I think he has a really high ceiling in that, but it's really cool to see him bounce back that quickly when called upon after being sent down in the AHL. I think they obviously need him now with the way Comrie's been playing. I just don't see how you could give Comrie another NHL start unless Levi really starts to struggle and needs that AHL time again. Is Comrie getting – is he getting claimed if you waive him? I don't think so. He he could just in terms of like – Just for the sake of someone having – someone else having a goal. I I just – I think it's time. But it's uh, goalies are almost like currency right now. It feels like I don't know. It's it's bad. It's like right-handed shot defensemen. It's like if you have them good, but like if they all stink, what's good of having them? But again, they are still currency yeah, because they are a body. I don't know. Comrie, I think the thing with Comrie is if they do move on from him, just if they could even trade him and retain half his salary, and he's a nine hundred thousand dollar goalie, they could probably yeah. get at least something out of him for that if they 
As if they don't want him in the organization anymore. I don't really know what their plans are. Great dude. Sounds like Macaulay Culkin, and I will stick by that until <laughs> I die. It's just not, and it was it was the right move, honestly. Like, yeah, at some point you have to give someone more of an opportunity and see what what they do. It didn't work out. That sucks. He kept getting injured. Guys kept the we're we're playing the stop hitting play, you know opponents into your own goalie challenge because he kept getting roughed oh, by brutal. Guys. That's how that's how he got hurt last year. Darlene absolutely. Sm- Dowling gets beat and then smokes the guy into Comrie and Comrie's hip goes. Dowling did that again this did, year yeah. too. I think I forget which goalie it might have been Levi. Is that like, before or after he took four hundred minor penalties? Anyway, um, yeah. so yeah, my my opinion is with Devin Levi is like you just have to roll with it at this point. Like the the beginning of the season was scary. It was like holy crap, what happened? But we also saw this coming. It's a rookie. This could be ugly, and it was and uh, what are you gonna do you know it's this is the bed they made now they have to sleep in it all right moving on still angry (sighs) tyson jost take it or leave it two goals two assists four points 25 games he's a fourth liner i mean take it he's replaceable anything he's a vibes guy i think good waiver i think he could yeah i think he could be placed on waivers again once uh yeah Quinn Greenway and Gergensons are activated. He's yeah. probably my front runner in the office or for guys who could get waived. Krebs. Um, I will give every listener how many people listen to this? Oh man, we're gonna have to. I'll give everyone a a solid ten cents, a dime. I don't know. Maybe that's only a couple of dollars at this point. But um, if they freaking put him with some offensive talent. Peyton Krebs doesn't do anything out there in between Jost and Opozo. The key words, between Jost and Opozo. I mean, they are so dead set on making him a bottom six forward that there's no hope. Even if you pull him into the top six, it's just not. He's just been so far removed from any kind of skill position in the lineup. It bothers me because he's now the odd man out. It's not not looking great. You have diminished his value from when you traded for him. I'm frustrated with it because the team's not playing well. The top six isn't playing well. And he's still buried on the fourth line, sometimes getting third line minutes. What are we, what are, what are we doing here? Am I wrong in thinking that is a bunch of garbage what are, what are your thoughts on Peyton Krebs and how they utilize him like look fair enough he has some he has he, his game leaves something to be desired he's not a shooter and a lot of teams know that so they just kind of can sag off of him but like he has the skill he's still one of the better passers on the Sabres they don't even give him a chance in the top six and when they do it's for like a game a game and a half a total of like 20 minutes and they're like, oh, didn't work. Well, Peyton Krebs isn't a top six player. All right, well, back down. The... You don't know that. That that really bothers me. And I might be wrong. I might be totally dead wrong, dying on the wrong hill. Fine. But that's my take, man. They're, they are messing up Peyton Krebs from what his full potential could be. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I could definitely see that argument. I think for me, Krebs's style play is really not my cup of tea just because 
he wants to be feisty and play physical, but he just doesn't have that. Did he do? Was he that player before? Maybe in Rochester a little bit, but he's almost realized like they they're shoving me on the fourth line, and if I can't do this, then I might not even be in the lineup because they've done that too. I almost think he's realized that he's had to add it, add that to his game, and that's not his game. And so now he's running around trying to pick fights, piss people off, and that's just not really his game fully his game it might be part of it but like he i think he's trying too hard at those things sorry to interrupt well yeah i do think he almost played i mean a lot of his game tries to be like benson but i think benson is better in like every <laughs> single aspect of it that's probably fair. like i think i think in terms of playmaking he's similar to benson where he enters his zone stops turns tries to find a lane like he might not have the talent to really do anything with that but I think he was really advertised when the Sabres traded for him as like a premier playmaker, like one of the best in the WHL. But to be a premier NHL playmaker, you have to manipulate defenders. You have to create space for yourself and your opponents. I think he lacks that final step. Like, I don't really think he ever creates plays, even with his linemates that aren't that talented where they get the puck and they waste it. Like, I feel like he's kind of just caught in that mix but at the same time it's hard to tell because he's really never been given an opportunity but i think it goes back to the thing where it's like they gotta start testing out stuff yeah yeah, exactly the the coolidge thing yeah or the coolidge sorry yeah they need to test out stuff so they know how to operate moving forward like i know the ryan johnson situation they couldn't have done anything on but it'd been nice to like see him get nhl games like in a one or two games last season just to kind of see where he's at uh, I, I think other situations as well, it's just like the Sabres kind of just make these roster decisions when their season's falling apart and they really don't test what guys are capable of. I mean, it wasn't a problem last season because they played meaningful hockey all the way until the end, but like there's been prior seasons where like they're way out of it mm-hmm. and they still don't really like test stuff in their lineup that they should just to give them more info heading into the next season. They kind of just hope and guess all the roster plans and everything they want to happen actually does happen. You know what they do? They trade for Wayne Simmons and then lose like seven straight. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Moving on. Uh, JJ Paterka, 30 games, 12 goals, 10 assists, 22 points. The what surprise. I actually didn't bring him up as a bright spot earlier because he very much has. And that's on me. I almost forgot about one of the best players on their freaking team right now, which is not great. Um, seeing the maturation of his wrist shot, Let's go. Let's freaking go, JJ. Seems like a great dude. That's all. That's always awesome to see. Um, he's playing well. I mean, what kind of contract is he going to be looking at? We'll discuss that on later episodes. But, you know, he is definitely part of that core that I can see. And especially with his relationship with Quinn, if Quinn can come back, start start playing better and stuff like that. I mean, like that that that's your core. And your and your secondary pieces are the Cousins, Tage, Tuck thing, maybe. It might be a little outlandish, but what are your thoughts on Paterka and the season and where he can go from here? I mean, he's been incredible this year. He's a player who continues to impress me. These guys definitely wrong on in his draft year. I thought I kind of viewed him as like a limited upside forward who's good at everything. That would be like an NHL player, but not a great one. But yeah. he, every season's continued to add stuff to his game. He added playmaking. He added shooting. He added like just a bunch of like high end offensive tools that I didn't think he's capable of when they drafted him, but I guess 
part of the reason I thought that was because he's playing professional hockey in Germany and as, as a 17 year old. So it's kind of hard to determine a player's ceiling there, but yeah, I think he's a great player. Definitely going to be a key piece moving forward. And one of the very uh, few bright spots of the season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was it Michael Pekka that called him a unicorn? I believe. Oh it was. yeah. At least yeah. look at, look I at that. So, pull. um, yeah, I mean, agreed. For the sake of time, we're going to start really rifling through these. Connor Clifton, I feel bad, but like because he seems like a good dude, and it very much looks like he's uncomfortable. And it did, sometimes it takes some guys to get used to. But oh man, that one, what was it against Detroit? Where it's like, dude, where are you going? Where where are you going? It's it just I feel bad because it's been it has been atrocious, and he's been doing the uh, Risto. I'm going to go chase this hit. A couple times, and yeah. I've seen it and I'm like, "Oh God, here we go." I mean, it's it is bad, and I feel I feel bad because like there's warning signs, and people are like, "Look," and he got sat in the playoffs, all that stuff. But like, he's not this bad. But he keeps playing like this, so I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's he does bring an edge. He brings something that the Sabers don't have a ton of, but what they need a ton of is goals and wins. He's not really contributing to that right now, so I just, I don't know. I mean, I think you rotate Johnson and Clifton in. Like, frankly, I think you just sit Johnson for the rest of the time. Sorry, he just hasn't done anything that's impressed me. He had that one goal that was just like, where did that come from? But every crappy defenseman has that. Look at Risto dangling Burns. Um, I shouldn't say crappy defenseman. I mean, he's just he's just older. He's just kind of lost his legs. He's had a great career. I shouldn't crap on him for that, but you know what I mean. Like, there are better options, Brian Johnson, and they should be utilizing it. So, feel bad, but I think Clifton shouldn't be a mainstay in the in the roster or in the in the lineup. Yogi Arius played better this year; he deserves it. Johnson deserves it. Power, Dalene, Samuelson, those are guys that you just can't take out of the lineup. Got to rotate the other ones. What are your thoughts? Uh, I guess my thoughts are in my search history. I have a Connor Clifton uh, bio calculator, yeah. Yeah, so I guess that right. was my thoughts on was Clifton. It, was it Joe? Marino of TCB. I think he posted something about it. Great follow. The the buyout's not that bad. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. Shoot. I don't, I don't want to try to remember or look it up on, on the fly here, but I think it's it's like a million something for like an extra season. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I think this year they finally stopped paying Cody Hodgson. I think it was, even though it wasn't a cap or whatever. I don't, maybe it was last season. Anyway. Um, Casey Middlestats, uh, 30 goal or 30 goals, Jesus, I wish. 30 games, 6 goals, 16 assists, 22 points. I mean, like he's – it's not great, but it's not terrible, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Middlestat, man? I, I, He's definitely gotten better. Happy for him. He's matured, more of a leader. But, again, I also have a problem with the leadership right now. So – that doesn't really help him. So leave it to you. What are your thoughts on him? I think he's definitely a great like middle of the lineup center. He's a piece yeah. I'd really like to keep around just when we have all those young wingers come up to the system. I think if he's playing between the middle of two very like talented wingers, I think that's just a great line to have in the middle of your lineup. I'd definitely like to get him signed to maybe like a three or four year deal around like the four or five million dollar range. I feel like that would be pretty cool piece to have around i think he's a guy who once again i think he takes more heat than he needs to at times just because 
the the rest of the team's so bad there's not much to talk about but yeah he's like he's just a solid nhler in my mind yeah i mean having him on your as like a third line center to like bring up young players and just having that consistent player there that's good I'm, i'm cool with that you know there's a lot to to really gripe about. I'm just gonna save it on Middlestead. I think he's done okay. Uh, Dylan Cousins, though, four goals, nine assists, thirteen points in twenty eight games. Uh, it's been a bad season from snake bitten to poor decisions. I mean, speaking, you know, poor decisions. You know, picking a fight with someone. I understand. You know, he was frustrated trying to get a spark, but you know, got his got his block knocked off there. Unfortunately. I feel really bad for him on that because that, that just sucks. Um, it's just not enough. It's not enough. I need more. I need yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, I think a guy with Cousins, I mean, he's a bit of a combination of snake bitten. I think you also kind of get just the fact that I think he's playing so bad because he's snake bitten. I think that kind of plays into it. Where he's making bad decisions. Tight. Yeah. Yeah. That snake bitterness leads to him making bad decisions. Like, just not a good year for him. I definitely have some confidence that he'll be able to bounce back at some point, but at the same time, it's just... It's like too late. It's like the rest of the yeah. team. It's like, yeah, you guys might bounce back, but classic Sabres fashion, you're going to turn it on when it's too freaking late. Like, it's yeah. frustrating. I think it's going to be hard to replicate what he did last season for him in terms of his shooting. Uh, like 30-plus goals last year, I, I just... Don't he'll probably get back to the level at some point in his career, but I think he signed that contract like with the team thinking that would be like a standard year for him. And I'm just not really sure it is. And he's yeah, hasn't played great hockey this year. And I wouldn't say I'm overly concerned about him, but there's some concern uh with that long term play with that contract. And they made the bed. They he has to work out. You and that is that's on the organization. You gotta bring it out of him, ah, brother. Moving on, Jeff Skinner, uh, thirty goal, thirty. Oh my god, I did it again. Thirty games played, twelve goals, eleven assists. That's, I mean, if he wasn't producing, we're talking Ralph Kruger like performance from Jeff Skinner because that's that is all he can do now is produce. Yeah, sometimes he can come up with a crafty turnover, but the foot speed's gone. Like I said earlier, he'll be the first man into the zone and the last man to the puck kind of thing. Again, that might be his role, and that's what they're they're trying to do. But thank God he's producing. Unfortunately, he's injured now, and that was a big heavy hit that he took from McKinnon. It's just the, I've taken big hits from that far away from the boards too, and it's just when you hit the boards. I got a really bad stinger once. It sucks, man, and it's... It's the danger zone they always talk about, so I feel really bad for him. But here's another season where Jeff Skinner's not going to make the playoffs. He could be a player that never makes the playoffs. With a 1,000 NHL games. (laughs) Yeah, he certainly could. He could. Because as of right now, I don't have any confidence in the Sabres making the playoffs this season. Do you have any confidence from them making it next season? I mean, unless they start showing signs that they can, I don't. You expect, you know, what have you done for me lately? You expect what you've seen lately. That's what I expect. It's freaking ugly. I mean, what are your thoughts on on Jeff Skinner? Um, but we know who he is. So anyone that's getting upset about him not playing defense, I'm sorry. Where have you been? 
This has always been the case. And it's a good thing he produces, because look, if he wasn't, it would look really bad. So, I mean, I don't really know what you have to, to say on, on top of that, but any thoughts on Jeff Skinner's performance so far yeah, this I'd season? Yeah, I'd say he's probably a lead at what he does, just in terms of creating five-on-five offense. I, there's definitely a lot of deficiencies in his game. He definitely cheats defensively to get his offense going. I think his style play, I think it works on a team that played like the Sabres did last season, where it's just run and gun, yeah. just try to outscore teams. I think with the way they kind of been trying to play this year, I just don't really think that style of play works with Skinner. I mean, we've seen it with Kruger. I mean, Skinner put up his best defensive impacts of his career under Kruger, but you took away what he was good at, and you were left with just a not great NHL player that was getting scratched. So I think he's a guy who, like, his personality is just incredible. He's just such a fun player to have. But the Sabres just don't have that. They just don't have enough talent in their lineup to be able to utilize him properly to have him be placed in a secondary scoring role. It's kind of a, a shame. And he's really been stuck in two awful situations in like a pretty good Carolina Hurricanes team. And then he was traded to a Sabres team and had to witness the Eichel Reinhardt era, the tail end of that, as well as building out to this new team and building into a team that's just not good enough. So I feel bad for him in that regard. I mean, he's good at what he does. To ask any more from him is almost too much, and I think that's been one of the Sabres' problems is thinking they yeah. could get more out of guys when they're really playing at their ceiling. Yeah, and he's also declining vet from his age at this point, like he's you know on the back half of his career, and so expecting more and more from someone that's getting older and older is just, you know, you're up a creek without a paddle. Uh, Henry Oki, how are you? Uh, 27 games played, two goals, seven assists. Shout out to those two goals. I mean, he's not much of a scorer, but you can see s- some of his games coming back. The the better passing, because that was really his his main thing that I loved him for. It was like his he was precise with his passing. In past couple seasons, it seemed like that went away, but doing better. Um, like to see him with Darlene. Uh, it's hasn't been perfect, obviously, but. I mean, it's better. Th- Sorry, it's better than Samuelson, Dylene. It's just the way it is. Um, so that's where I'm at with Yoki Haru. Is I actually predicted him to have kind of a quote-unquote breakout season, or just because the expectations were so low. And I'm glad that he's kind of back in the good graces with people, or at least not getting ripped on. And, and you know, at least he's not the scapegoat. So that's where I'm at with Yoki Haru. He's fine. That's what he. He's an NHL defenseman. He's fine. Yeah, I think he's I I think he's been great this year in his role. He's a guy who really you just want to fill out an NHL D corps with cuz you're going to be paying the top guys 11, 9 million dollars, so you're going to need those cheaper players to fill out complementary roles and I think he's been perfect in that role and I think he'll continue to be a solid guy for that role. I think he kind of took like some unnecessary heat in other seasons, but on a bad hockey team every Every fan's least favorite player is always some random depth defenseman. So uh, so I really think that he's fine in his role. I think he'll continue to be fine in his role and not having a bad year this year either. You know what uh, Sabre hated the most? Victor Antipin. I mean, ugh, unbelievable. <laughs> Just carrying on a tradition <laughs> of hating depth defenseman <laughs> anyway. Uh, Zemgis <laughs> Gjergensen's, uh, it's time to move on. Simple as that. It's time to move on. Love you, Zemgis. Yeah. I'm sorry that you had to deal with all of this crap. I'm sorry that we literally wasted your career. It's time to move on. For you, most I would say mo- 
60% for him, 40% for us. I just feel bad. Oh, no, yeah, guy. I know. And you know what? Yeah. His, his wife's from Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh's probably going to be looking for some players, you know, every single year as they try to keep that thing going. I don't know. Give it a shot. I think he would look good in a Penguins jersey, but and yeah, there's I nothing think just really. Him. Yeah. He's a guy where it's like, I don't really know why he wants to stay here because he could literally go on a team like. Oh, maybe not Tampa anymore, but like those old Tampa teams just signed a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar contract, just being an absolute beast on their fourth line and win pucks, and he'd be like a superstar there. So I don't, I don't really know why he wants to stay here. I know I would if yeah, I, I mean, was like stuck in a spot. You can always, you can always have family. Your wife really wants to stay here. Your kids really want to stay in their schools, whatever it might be. But yeah, it's just time to move on. Nothing against him. We, you know, thank you for your service. You did not deserve all the crap that you went through, and there you go. Um, Rasmus Dahlin, 29 games, 7 goals, 17 assists, 24 points. I mean, there's been some seriously ugly points. He's still Rasmus Dahlin. And, like, that double-blown tire against Colorado or whatever, like, I don't know. If you're him, you are trying you're, – you're putting way too much on your shoulders because this team is in shambles even though their record's almost like 500 or what, like this team's not good and he is trying his very best. And so like, yeah, some things aren't going to look very pretty. He's still Rasmus Dahlin. He might not be a Norris contender this season. He's still Rasmus Dahlin. I have no worries about him, you know, unless he's really start unless things continue for season after season, continue to go poorly. And then he's also like, I'm out of here. That's really my only concern, but he says he loves it. He's a good, he's a good person. And he's a very good hockey player. And I am, look, I'm not one of those people like, I don't care what kind of personality they are, just bring me good hockey players. But having the double whammy is nice. You know what I mean? Like, he's a good dude. He's a future captain of this team. I hope they don't waste his freaking career like they did with Eichel. Giergensen's obviously different, you know, Spectrums, Gergensen's a fourth liner, Eichel's a superstar, but I'm just I'm tired of them wasting our time and of them wasting the times of some of these top, top players that could be getting so much more recognition than they do. So that's my thought on Darlene. I think he's he's Darlene. He's fine. I I have bigger gripes than him. Hey, I think with Rasmus Darlene, he's someone where I almost expect a little bit more from this season. Like there's those games yeah. where he elevates his game to the next level and just absolutely takes it over. Like if I'm paying a defenseman $11 million or however much he's paying, getting paid per year in his next contract, I almost want to see him just be able to take over every single game, kind of like a Connor McDavid, a defense, which is what he was called when he was drafted, but just something like that. I mean, he's been great. Don't get me wrong, but I think I just want to see like just a little bit more from him. But in terms of like the Sabres problems, I think it's maybe further down the list. And I also think he's probably like the only guy in that like 23 to 25 year old age range whose prime I'm really worried about wasting. Other than that, there's, I really can't think of other, like, I know people are saying like, Oh, we can't waste like Tage Tuck and Skinner's prime. It's like, Oh yo, you definitely can. Like those guys primes get wasted yeah. on different teams every year. Like it's, yeah. but for Darlene, I think he's in that truly special category of player where it's like, Sabres don't really have a organizational history of getting elite defensemen like that. So 
they finally got one and they just can't really build the team around him. And it's sad to see. I can, I, I can understand that sentiment. I've put a lot of weight into the, like, he's not my biggest fish to fry, so I'm just not going to complain about him. But fair enough. If you are paying him $11 million a season, I can see why you would want more and more of them. Fair enough. I'll give you that point for sure. Uh, Eric Robinson, besides that just really stupid play where, like, he did try to let up, but the only thing you saw was numbers. I, don't, I, just, yeah. I just overzealous trying to make an impression be physical and bring an element that the Sabres don't have I guess sure and those goal the goal he scored a couple of assists or whatever good for you man like new team buzz he's a guy seems like a good dude good for you he's a guy small yeah. sample size you know we'll see what happens yeah I think for me I think the biggest role he fills right now is kind of taking one of those PK duties and just yeah. being able to push out uh, the guys the Sabres want to use in other areas out of having a penalty kill. So I think he's good in that regard. He's almost kind of like a Riley Stillman at forward. I think he's just a fine player. Uh, like He's a guy I always really like watching in Columbus, uh, especially during that uh, NHL playoff bubble during COVID. I thought he was great then. He's just, just an energy guy, limited upside, but he's going to play his heart out every game. And in terms of the acquisition cost, I think you make that trade every time. All right, everyone. So uh, I know we just quick cut there. Uh, Discord is what we use to record. Well, Discord just went down. And so to finish up the episode, I'm just going to do it myself. I know this has been kind of clunky, but we will see this one through. We will be back in a couple weeks after Christmas to kind of rehash things. We will be back and recording, not you know taking months and months off. Again, blame me. Um, but like what he was saying about Eric Johnson, excuse me, not Eric Johnson, Eric Robinson is you know he's a utility guy and to move players out of a pk role or out of a fourth line role instead of putting maybe a prospect there or someone that just isn't quite suited uh you know like a peyton krebs i would say uh i can see why they're doing that uh or why they made that move and especially if gergensen's is down for a while so understandable uh moving on uko pekka lukanen it's it's finally come he looks like a starter for the time being. Um, unfortunate that once he got hot, he came down with an illness, but he has solidified himself and he has earned the runway, at least in my opinion, for the next few months at least, especially with how poor Comrie has played. He's a, he is one of the two. He's in the tandem and he deserves the starts. Is it perfect? No, I still have my gripes, but I'm going to save them. Um, yeah, believe it or not, I'm going to save a gripe. Uh, so that's where I'm at with Lukanen. Uh, I'm sure Walt would agree. It's surprising and it's great to see, but I wouldn't put too much stock into it. It's a small sample size of him playing very well. And he's, he did it last year, game game in, game out, stuff like that. But I'm not putting too much stock into it. I suggest you don't as well. Kyle Pozo. I love Kyle Pozo as a guy. An awesome dude has had some really crappy stuff go on, um, you know, really underperformed on a, a big contract that he signed, like a lot of other guys did. But to see where he came from, excuse me, let me finish that statement, where he, where he came from, it, it's tough to say that he is cooked. It's over. 
He is a great leader, but I've ha- I've had an issue with the leadership this year with how they've started. It's not all on Granado. You need to have some guys that take accountability. Half these teams that you see in the playoffs that make deep runs, the coaches are going to tell them, the guys police themselves. The guys almost coach themselves. You know, they don't need Granado to do rah rah and do all these things and elaborate play. No, it's from the in the room leadership. I'm sure he's trying his best. The guys love him, I'm sure. I don't think he should have been resigned. He has five goals, yeah, but I mean, a couple of those goals didn't necessarily matter in games, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's just, sure, 11 points in 30 games on the fourth line is fine. I also think there's better options, so really good dude. It, it pains me to, to crap on any of these guys, but I don't know. I feel like a roster spot could be used elsewhere, and that's where I'm at. Own power, it's been disappointing, but I've also expected the slump. They're expecting a lot out of him. He signed a huge contract. That's a lot to put on his shoulders, and he's still very young. Does he need to play better? Yes, but you can still see it in his game. That's where I'm at. You can still see it. And again, it's a Darlene thing where you can, yes, very much expect him to do more, to play better, to finally start producing maybe some more goals. He has one goal, 11 assists in 30 games. But he's also a six foot six minutes eater back there that will play in your top four for years and years to come. It might not be perfect right now, but he is very much not my biggest fish to fry. And that's where I'm at with Owen Power. I mean, he is the one-two combo with Darlene that you want. He's just not the biggest fish to fry. You can you can demand more. Fair enough. I'll give you that. But there's a couple other players here that I have bigger issues with. And so I'm just not going to, to raise them with Owen Power right now. One of them, and I hate to say this, awesome dude, Alex Tuck. It is not him that I'm upset with, I'm almost upset with the expectation that was set upon him. The production that he came up with last season was not going to get replicated. You could get close, but I just, and this is my opinion, I will die on this hill, that that was a career year for him. He has eight goals and nine assists for 17 points in 23 games. That's more his pace. Can he do more? Yes. But he's also not a top-line player. And that's what Walt was saying earlier. It's the same exact thing. If you are rolling with a top line of Tuck, Skinner, and Thompson, it's just not good enough. Unless they're all having career years like they did last season. And you can't bank on that. So Alex, and I, he, if Darlene wasn't the future captain, Tuck would be. It's not all about what they do on the ice, as we've seen within the organization, bringing back or bringing in certain players. He is a future assistant captain. He's a good player to have on the team. We need to rein in our expectations. That's where I'm at with Alex Tuck. Simply because this is who he is as a player. Last year was more of an anomaly. Now, Tage Thompson. Seven goals, eight assists, and 21 games for 15 points. That is disappointing. There's no other way to say it. It was a tough game. You know, taking the skate from McAvoy, coming back into the game, and then taking a shot off the wrist. The team relies upon him, and he is widely thought of as the best forward player on the Sabres because of what he's done. And fair enough. Was there some regression to maybe pop up? Sure. 
I believe it was Sneaky Joe DiBiase on the Locked on Sabres podcast that mentioned at this point in the season, he and Cousins had 35 combined goals. And as of right now, Thompson has seven and Cousins has four. They have 11 goals between the two of them. Cousins was dinged up for a couple games, Thompson a little bit longer. That's not good enough. It's simply not. And I don't know what else to tell people because that's your top-line center. And if you're not getting that production, you're relying on guys like Zach Benson and J.J. Paterka and more depth. And that's just not a winning recipe for this team. So Tate Thompson, I would like to see more from. Eric Johnson, I, again, a very good person. Seems to have a tr- tough transition from somewhere he was for a very long time in Colorado. I cannot you know, sympathize with that enough. I've moved plenty of times in my life to know that sucks. And to play a as a professional athlete at the highest level when you're aging, that's tough. It's He's cooked. And I know it's just it's very easy for someone behind a mic to just be like, that guy's cooked. Yeah, he's not no good anymore. And this is his livelihood. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Good person. I'm sure he's good in the locker room. But again, I I will say it again. There is a leadership problem right now. Someone needs to take that team by the reins and drag them through and hold guys accountable. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Maybe they are maybe they are already doing that. But you need to make it known to the fans because the fans they want to see more whatever that is, passion. You know what they want? They want wins. Let's let's look back at the Invincible movie with Mark Wahlberg about Vince Papali. When they're all in the, the room trying to decide between a better player than Papali and Papali there, and they're saying we have one roster spot, and he goes, the guy has heart. Dick Vermeil says, the guy has heart, and this is what we need. And he says, and Coach looks him dead in the face. People don't want heart, Dick. They want wins. I don't I don't need the morale that Eric Johnson's trying to instill. Like this their culture and the vet like this just this should have already been in place. You're running it back. It's not like you're bringing in a bunch of other people and we need to all get to a cohesive unit. You were a cohesive unit last season. What happened? And I don't think someone like Eric Johnson's fixing that. Ryan Johnson better than him. He needs to be on a rotation. That's what they're doing tonight. At least they're showing they're somewhat serious. I, I hate to say it, but, I mean, it, it looks like he's his career's over. And I'm sorry to see it go out this way. I'm glad he got his cup, but exactly what they're doing tonight against Vegas and sitting him for Ryan Johnson needs to happen more. Brett Murray, Matias Samuelson, and Jordan Greenway are the last three. Brett Murray, you know what you're going to get. He's a tweener. Good guy. Glad that he's someone that knows how to go up and down between the the leagues. It's not exactly easy going from bus rides to to private jets back to bus rides. So he's played one game too, so it's not like it matters too much. Matias Samuelson, hugely disappointing. I understand that he had a lot of block shots in the Bruins game. Shoot. There was a game recently he had a lot of block shots. That's good. He's an injury liability. I get it because you block a lot of shots. He's not living up to his his contract. He's just not. 
It was questionable, but I supported it when they signed it. He's a liability right now. I do not want to see him with Darlene. I want to see him on the third pairing with, I guess, Clifton. And he has to earn his way back. I mean, this is a earning the trust of the of the fans. And he's he's one of those guys because they committed to you. And whether you like it or not, you have to show up and you have to make the team better because it's only going to get uglier if you continue to struggle and you are still on contract for another seven years. It's just not going to work. We'll end with Jordan Greenway here. I was pleasantly surprised at how he started the season, and it's unfortunate he got hurt. And that's where I have to leave it. He was disappointing last season. And if he can get back to where he was at the beginning of the season when he finally comes back, which it sounds like he may tonight or tomorrow, whatever it may be. Again, we're recording. We recorded this on Friday, the 15th of December. At this point, with Jordan Greenway being probably better than half the bottom six that they have going on there, I'm excited to see him come back in the lineup. But at the end of the day, they overpaid for him. And that's it wasn't a gross overpayment. It's a second-round pick, whatever. Kevin Adams, eyes are on you, man. I've taken some blame off Granado. He deserves some. The players definitely deserve some. It's time for Kevin Adams to do his thing. And you know what? If Terry Pagula says, no, I, I'm sorry, I'm not firing these guys. We need to make this work. I can understand where he's coming from. But it also could get uglier before it gets better. So that's it for us here on the Sabermetrics podcast. Again, uh, Discord uh, apparently crapped out today. Not exactly sure what's going on there, but that was the reason why uh, Walt did not finish this episode. Again, we will be coming back with some more frequency. If you made it to this point in the podcast, I very much thank you. I will say, at least for me, I can't speak for Walt. I'm a little out of practice when it comes to not only speaking behind the mic, but editing. So I do apologize if it wasn't the most polished, especially with Discord crapping out on us a couple times. I'm hoping to make sure people don't hear all the cuts that we had to make. But if we did, I apologize. Again, thank you very much for taking the time. I know you can be listening to any other podcast. And the fact that you're listening to a Sabres one with how they've played this season. My hat off to you. Thank you very much for the support. I uh, can't thank you enough for that. I just, it's not great, Bob. And that's going to be the title of this this episode. I'm besides myself. I didn't even want to make uh, podcast episodes for the past you know month or two once I finally got my schedule a little bit more clear because this is incredibly disheartening. And it's unfortunate. But they have the chance to get four points in the next 48 hours, or I guess technically you know 24 hours. We'll see what they do against Vegas. We'll see what they do against Arizona. Again, thank you for listening to the Sabermetrics podcast. No longer hosted by the Charging Buffalo. But again, we appreciate you listening wherever you are. This has been Bill. I'm out.